Hi everyone, today on the podcast I had Liam on with me, who is studying a PhD in Sport and Exercise Science at Queensland University of Technology. We spoke about Liam's approach to a PhD by keeping it vague in the early stages before really specifying the PhD question for second and third year. Hope you all enjoy and let's get straight into it. Okay, and we are live on the Festa Show. Welcome to another podcast episode. Today with me, I have Liam. How are we doing, mate? Good morning from uh, sunny Brisbane. It's, um, oh, is it it's sunny? Uh, strange Australia? being uh, opposite sides of, uh, of, of the world, but um, pretty cool that we could get together. So uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, I absolutely love, I love podcasts and uh, I got invited to one recently and um, said that it was, you know, um, like a little secret goal of mine. So to have been invited again is pretty nice so thanks man appreciate it yeah Liam no thank you for coming on and like you said as well you're in sunny Brisbane I bet that's quite nice early in the morning with you yeah yeah it's 7am start Um, I think that makes it uh, about 9 about 9pm at night for you so um, I guess we're both kind of dedicated enough to um, I guess work at unusual times uh, when it yeah. comes to podcasts, but no, that's, uh, no, that's really good. Be so, done. Yeah, thanks for be staying done. up for it. Yeah, but um, no, let's start off then. So do you want to just tell the listeners just, well, obviously we already know you study in Australia, uh, in Brisbane. So do you want to just say what university in Brisbane and what you're looking at in your PhD? Yeah, so I'm at uh, Queensland University of uh, Technology, so um, Q- QUT. And uh, very, very broadly at the moment, uh, I'm looking at uh, nutrition interventions to uh, improve exercise performance. Uh, and we'll take it from there, I guess. Yeah, yeah nice. So just starting off then, what, what made you want to study a PhD in Australia? Because obviously you are English, we can tell from your northern accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, straight away you pick up that Yorkshire accent, hey, it's still not gone. Um, no, sir. I guess we kind of have to go back to my undergraduate. So I did sports science undergrad at Sheffield Hallam and um, had a great time there. Um, In my final year, kind of realized my passion for nutrition. So I went to Leeds Beckett University and was very privileged to have a good time there as well. And you kind of realize, you know, when you've had four straight years of, ah, I actually really enjoy this. Uh, I quite like to stay. What's the uh, what's the next thing after a master's? It's PhD. So, um, yeah, I guess uh, I think halfway through my master's, I started kind of looking, um, just just searching randomly, you know, PhD opportunities, sports science, and just every key word you can think of: sports science, sport nutrition, sport, um, and uh, it wasn't until. I think it's 2018, there was a conference with the Nutrition Society. Um, and I met a guy called Charlie Roberts there. He's, he's an absolute legend. Um, and, he, and he was doing nutrition. Um, uh, he was doing like a presentation there with, uh, with me on some summer studentships that we had. Um, and he, he had lined up a PhD in New Zealand. Straight away, I was like, Oh, you can actually do a PhD that's not in England. <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah, like, look, like, have a look internationally. So I was like, yeah, okay, I will. 
um, I went home. I went home that weekend. Um, I think I got like you know got back home on the Sunday night, and on the Monday morning, I spent two hours just searching PhD Australia, PhD this, PhD that, um, and yeah, um, I kind of realised QUT had some options, and I had uh, I had my supervisor on LinkedIn. And so we um, spoke via LinkedIn a little bit and then emails, emails quickly turned into a Zoom, a Zoom um, interview, if you like, but it was very informal. Uh, and uh, almost, almost a year to the day um, after that kind of interview, uh, I arrived in Brisbane. So that's a very, that's a very long, that's a very long explanation to it, but I felt, yeah. Yeah. The no. backstory was probably, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that's interesting, especially because you, you're from Yorkshire, done undergrad and masters in England. You thought, you know what? I want to just get in the sun. Let's let's leave rainy, <laughs> rainy UK. Let's go to beautiful, lovely Australia. Yeah, I'm yeah. just wondering if you can touch on that. Then, how different have you found between institutions, between Australia and England? Because when you, like you said, you've done undergrad and masters in two different universities, but then. Between them two, how different is QUT to them? Yeah, yeah, that's a really interesting question, um, and I think they are uh, they are similar in a lot of ways. And so it has been very easy for me to uh, assimilate. Um, and you know, it's very cliche, you know, to come and feel like you fit in somewhere straight away. But um, it's certainly been it's certainly been quite. Um, well, it has been seamless for me, really. So, um, the kind of policies and procedures uh, and the way of life is very similar. Um, for me, for me, I suppose it was getting, it was trying to get back into it that was the, that was the difficult thing. Because um, realistically, I, th I think I probably finished going into uni for my masters around June, May or June and spent a lot of that time just writing up my uh, dissertation. So uh, given that I finished in June one year and then started the PhD the end of February this year, um, it's, you know, it's what, nearly, nearly nine months mm. um, without kind of like a firm, firm like research cap on. Mm -hmm. um, so just getting used to, you know, again, um, study, study design and uh, justifying it and, um, statistical tests and uh, ethical ethical considerations they're all uh, they're all very similar but um, it's just about yeah kind of getting back into it I suppose yeah no definitely how have you found with the COVID how, how has that affected Australia and how has that affected your PhD specifically yeah it's, it's been it's been interesting um, for me I am lucky um, since I started in late February um, and the whole COVID lockdowns kind of happened end of March, maybe April, April time, I think. Okay. Uh, I was still, you know, just in the process of uh, just read, just read a lot, um, you know, come up with research questions, um, practice some study designs, protocols, uh, start to, you know, collect, um, start to review some um, articles and okay. um, just kind of have a read and it's not really affecting me too much as I'm not in the thick of data collection. 
um, it might have it might have re repercussions for me in terms of what I can do in the labs. But um, Australia has been um, a lot a lot kind of less affected than in the UK in America. So um, you know, it's crazy. At one point, we called an outbreak uh, nine people. Right. And, yeah. you know, I, I kind of talk to my family back home and, you know, keep up to date with the news and things. And like an outbreak for you guys is like thousands. Yeah. Um, so the, the um, perspective is a whole lot different. Of course, there are geographical things to consider in terms of population density and testing protocols and everything. But um, Australia have been very stringent with it. Um, but luckily, it's not, it's not affected me too much. Yeah. Has, that, has it pretty much gone back to normal for you in terms of, well, Australia, I guess, as a whole? <laughs> dare, I, dare I say it? <laughs> normal. <laughs> right. Um, there is a kind of new normal, you know, um, just hygiene in general seems to be uh, an awful lot better. It, um, but it does feel like we are kind of back to, back to reality, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and uh we're certainly we are we are certainly still cautious mm -hmm. um and uh, at university we still we still have all the you know the covid procedures in place even at the cafes down the road you know we still want to sign in and use hand hand sanitizer and things but uh yeah it's very much kind of getting back to normal and they're starting to uh, ease all of the restrictions now i think the latest one was you can start dancing Oh you start dancing inside again. So there you go. That's good. That's good. So just going into your PhD then, or really, I think we should start from undergrad. Because we shared, yeah. so did you study, was it sports nutrition or was it a sport and exercise science um, general kind of undergrad? It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was uh, sports and exercise science undergrad and then uh, went on to the sport nutrition in uh, the master's. Okay, because like me, my background's, well, sports strength and conditioning, undergrad, so this is very similar. This is kind of my bread and butter as well, as I like to call it. Uh, as I said, through the people who have come on the podcast already, you know, molecular biology, which is what I'm in, into now, but it's always yeah. nice. I love the sports science. It's great. And uh, yeah. obviously, you know, you can, when you think of like the mech, exploring the mechanisms that can be involved in sports science as well, but yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, so when you were doing sport and exercise science, what kind of draw you to nutrition then, really? <laughs> this is, yeah, this is a um, fairy tale story, very interesting story, I guess. Um, almost kind of stereotypical sports science student I am. Um, so first year, first year of undergraduate, uh, I wanted to be a physiologist. Um, I absolutely love physiology, so almost uh, almost like you i guess is i did actually really enjoy the mechanisms it just, yeah it's amazing that this can happen um but second year i started to get into strength and conditioning and um i was like oh oh you know what uh, i train so let's kind of read into the snc a little bit more and um and uh third year third year we had a six-week placement um, as part of our final, kind of final year and we had a portal that you applied to um, and you got three options so lo and behold first first one was physiology uh, second one 
was strength and conditioning. Um, and a third one, I was a little bit stuck. I was like, I'm not really sure what to put for my third one. Um, so I was like, ah, oh, uh, uh, you know, I'm quite into my nutrition. I like to eat, I like to eat healthy. Um, let's kind of chuck that in third choice. And um, a couple of weeks, couple of weeks after sending off, you know, like the like separate applications, you know, you tweak them all as if you're going for a job, and it's it's a very serious process. Really good, uh, really good to get used to. That um, kind of procedure, and um, yeah, lo and behold, uh, I got the third choice, which is nutrition. Um, it was like, oh, okay, okay, let's um, let's let's kind of see, let's kind of see how we go. Um, and that was with British diving, so there was there was no way I was turning it down because um, I'd heard so many good things about the team there. And yeah, I think what was supposed to be a four to six week placement. Um, really turned out to be um an eight-week placement kind of full-on um and uh, continued support for about a year after that so i just yeah i just kind of i almost fell into nutrition i guess um and uh, the rest is history <laughs> yeah nice and then so you've done masters and that's when you decide actually i'm just gonna sports exercise nutrition and then doing the PhD so it was yes uh, I suppose in that final year of my undergrad I kind of realized university is where I thrive mm-hmm. um, and certainly feel like I belong just uh, you know the kind of the, uh, the kind of personalities that you get there and um, the kind of interests are, are very similar but um, also also you know um, I'm certainly not meaning to sound egotistical when I sound that uh, when when I say that, I kind of realised I was doing well, mm-hmm. um, well in all the exams and well in all the assignments, and um, there comes a point where uh, you know you just have to kind of give yourself a little bit of a pat on the back and say, "Oh no, I am getting first uh, consistently, and I'm really enjoying it." Mm-hmm. Um, what 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 can I do to stay in this kind of environment? Um, and uh, nutrition was the one where I just seemed to, it just seemed to click. Like, um, you know, I could just, it was just one of those where I could reel off, I could reel off some of the studies that I was just really interested in. Um, and you know, the kind of recommendations off the top of my head. And I was like, oh, this is kind of, kind of coming naturally, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, thankfully, thankfully I enjoyed it. <laughs> um, and so I spent the year, spent the year at Leeds Beckett, um, just, just kind of trying to specialise in the nutrition, I guess. Yeah. Nice. And then was it from there you kind of realised you wanted to carry on pursue a PhD? Because as, you know, sport and exercise science or S&C graduates, you kind of get two choices. You either kind of carry on studying, uh, you go the postgraduate route, do a PhD or you become a practitioner what made you decide to go was it just because of the good grades and stuff you thought I'm going to carry on doing postgraduate or was there any reason for that yeah it was (laughs) this sounds this sounds very geeky but I really enjoyed writing my dissertation really um uh, yeah I just I I kind of don't know what it was I just enjoyed writing um, and never kind of expected to because 
it was it was 50 50 for me um it was it was it was an applied sport nutrition degree and very much so it was um, brilliant i had a full year i had a full year of um you know uh, internship work as a kind of supervised um practitioner i guess so you know working with working with some like professional teams uh, professional athletes um taking you know resting metabolic rate um and a lot of kind of applied you know giving nutrition presentations um, uh, a lot of applied kind of work and, and i really loved it but um just um i just yeah i just really enjoyed writing to the point where um it didn't feel like a chore or it didn't feel like um, it was work that I had to do. It felt like it was work that I got to do. Yeah. Yeah. I got to write this, um, this uh, 15,000 word dissertation and I got to, I got to analyze all these diets and have the data, the data right in front of me, you know? Okay. And it was at that point where I was like, you know, I could, you know, I could probably be a practitioner. Um, but, uh, trying to, trying to think long-term, I thought, you know, what's, you know, what's something that, uh, if I kind of didn't do, that uh, I would look back on and maybe like regret and it's uh, a PhD, a PhD is, is, uh, is something that I want to kind of, you know, uh, give it a red hot crack. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. I remember when we were speaking last week, just about the podcast and recording, because you actually, you met your supervisor first on LinkedIn, you decided the project, then you applied for the fund, didn't you? Yeah. So it was an, it was an open, it was an open scholarship round. So, um, okay, yeah. they are, so it's kind of like you just go to them with an idea and, uh, if they like it and if they like you, um, then you're in. So I suppose, yeah, it was a little bit trickier than, um, just, you know, you see a lot of them and they are brilliant, but it's kind of like, like topic is like decided for you. And I think that's, I think that's something that stood out to me about, about like QUT is that they have this open scholarship round and it's, it's, you know, what are you interested in? And yeah. I think when it comes to a PhD, you know, three years, some, sometimes four for, for people, is a big commitment to make. So the fact that they, you know, they said, you know, uh, come to us with a topic that you want um, and uh, let's see. That, yeah, that just kind of stood out to me. It was like, yeah, I'm going to give this a try. Yeah, I think it's really important. And I think it's such a great kind of opportunity. It's a great opportunity, isn't it? Because like you said, it's your idea. You get to kind of decide, is this idea good enough for a PhD? And in your position, you did. So yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So going into the project then, you've given us like a brief overview uh, you're looking so you're looking at different nutritional components to improve exercise performance yeah how much has changed since your application for the phd and nine months down the line how much has changed so far the first the first um lesson of the phd for me is a lot changes um a lot changes so it looks, um, uh, I don't think you could uh, recognize a lot of my, um, you know, uh, a lot of, a lot of my PhD from what I'd proposed 
Um, so I think uh, those who will kind of know me know um, that it was um, that I was kind of writing about polyphenols for my research proposals. Um, you know, your um, black currants, your cherries, um, and these kind of fruit extracts um, that could that could maybe that could maybe support recovery or uh, performance in some way. And that's and that's the and that's the proposal that I wrote. Um, but since then, uh, it 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 has been much much better just to keep it broad, mm-hmm. um, and certainly something that I am um, trying to just um, really make myself aware of is um, you know what's the kind of rationale and um, almost how can i how can i just be scientifically rigorous and uh, eliminate or uh, reduce things like bias um as like much as possible mm-hmm. and um you know where are the kind of research gaps um and so that's what i've spent a lot of the the uh, the last nine months doing is um kind of you know just going through that process of um step by step kind of um the uh, the whole research process. Yeah, I mean, how how do you find it? Found it? Do you do you find that it that it changes much for you over there in the UK, or is it very much? Yeah, I think similar? I think everyone I've spoken to so far has all kind of said what they started off with. They've definitely changed as they've gone through the PhD. Um, yeah, yeah. I was speaking to someone last week, and she was saying that the data that she collected in her first year is actually the last chapter in her PhD. And yeah, even some people I speak to as well just completely changed the PhD. Like it's completely different. I've not had that yet. My PhD hasn't changed much at all, which I'm a bit scared of because I'm thinking, when is that bit going to happen? When (laughs) It's going to happen like a week before your submission. (laughs) Yeah, when is that bit going to happen? I've just finished my first year now, so... I am yeah. now officially in the second year. So I done the border review. I think that's what they call it, where you uh, it's, they kind of replicate a mini viva. Yeah, yeah. You get questioned on your uh, PhD, and then they see if you can progress. So yeah, so done that, and yeah, nothing, nothing's really changed, and there was really no recommendations of oh, I think you should go down this route, or yeah. So it was pretty straightforward. So I don't know. It'd be interesting. That's good. That's good. Yeah, but I think with mine as well, obviously, because I'm a lot more in the lab. It'd be interesting to see as I start collecting a lot more data now, uh, how much that will change. Because so far, I've just done like a massive review. I collected somewhat data in March, and then yeah. I did collect. I've been collecting quite a lot since I've been back, but it's still early days. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes now when I go back. But. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, even uh, you're talking about polyphenols. That's my bread and butter as well. Love talking about polyphenols. Yeah, I'm interested to know because you're saying you've kind of gone away from the polyphenols now, but that's quite a broad subject in itself. Do you not think? Because you got like the ant- the antikinins and the berries, which you know have antioxidant ac- activity. Some berries have been shown to phosphorylate. Enos, which results in yeah. nitrous oxide because that causes vasodilation. You've got beetroot juice, 
Mm. Can you call it? I, don't, I think it has. It does, it does have antioxidants, yeah. So why have you decided to go from polyphenols to more of a broad subject? It's, I suppose it's... Um, I suppose it's to just make sure that I keep myself um, open. And it certainly doesn't mean that, for example, uh, I won't end up researching polyphenols. Um, I, would, I would just like to go through the process um, of actually kind of just taking a step back, um, reading, reading the research a little bit, um, a, a little bit more from like a bird's eye view and saying, okay, what's the what's the kind of crux of the research? What's it saying um, uh, at the moment? Um, because, uh, you know, I can think off the top of my head, um, there, are, uh, there are certainly a few studies um, that have come out uh, to do with New Zealand blackcurrant extract on sport performance. Um, but you might look at that in uh, climbers. Um, I think one was recently up. And you look at some that are to do with to, that uh, that are to do with um, fat oxidation. Right. Um, now that's not now that's not necessarily you know um, that's not necessarily just uh, improving performance. Um, so I suppose I've just tried to kind of detach myself from um, whichever kind of nutrition component it is and say. You know, um, as long as it's safe and it's uh, efficacious, um, the kind of um, the kind of golden ticket that I really want is um, performance improvement. Mm -hmm. um, so I just tr try to kind of detach myself from this, yeah, straight that it like will be that it will be polyphenols. Yeah. Um, I would certainly like to research them still. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know all of the terms like enos and uh, anthocyanins that you mentioned just like kind of spark off little mm. fireworks in my brain because uh, I could talk about those for days. But um, yeah, I think it's I think it's important just to try to kind of look at it from a neutral point of view and say you know it doesn't matter which which kind of uh, nutritional intervention we 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 go for. What we want is uh, the athlete to be. Um, to be healthy and to perform. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. Cool. And then you're talking about exercise performance. Obviously, what 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 is that related to? Because exercise performance in itself is quite broad, isn't it? So are you still keeping that a bit broad as well, or are you going to go a bit specific into that? Keeping that broad, um, I think as as a, as certainly a lot can change in the PhD is. Um, I have I have kind of ideas in the back of my mind is that you know we can have kind of lab uh, lab controlled um, exercise protocols, um, but I, I suppose you never know kind of uh, who comes forward or uh, who you might end up recruiting, um, and so I'm certainly just yeah trying to kind of finalise that part at the moment, um, but certainly just some kind of protocol that means um, I can go through that um, process of control and um, I totally understand um, and certainly coming from my applied master's background is you know uh, it'd be great to look at exercise performance uh, in the field that's just you know um, that basically re replicates day-to-day -day training or performance 
but from but uh, kind of like you being in the labs from the point of view that uh, you want to be able to say that you've controlled for you know every kind of factor possible to say um to say with like the highest likelihood possible that like this that this happened because of this right um, it's not due to chance so i certainly have more of my more of my lab more of my lab based scientist head on right now who who kind of wants to wants to go through the process of controlling things um to say to say you know there's a good chance that x did y yeah cool yeah no it definitely makes sense i completely agree with it i think it's quite interesting in your research topic and i agree keeping it broad is quite good because as you said you're kind of just waiting for that right one to pop up when do you think you'll actually decide then which one okay this is the one uh, are you running some sort of statistical analysis to decide yeah i think like uh, i think like any phd student um or, or certainly most um, especially during covid i feel like we're all doing uh, reviews yeah um so i am yeah i'm currently just you know sifting through the literature um and just trying to just trying to take my time with it because it'd be really easy just to skim read something and go 10 minutes boom i've got the i've got the interpretation no it's, it's really not that simple so i could kind of jump into a i could jump into this study design and say okay i'm gonna look at um something that's totally random you know like i'm yeah. gonna look at mango juice on um anaerobic performance in three 60 meter sprints <laughs> just like where have you plucked that one from yeah. oh because it's not been done before <laughs> no like i actually want to identify the gap is you know it's interesting um and yeah so yeah i guess that's a, <laughs> i guess that's a strange example to give but yeah no i like in that terms of extreme, yeah maybe someone's actually doing that mango juice <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just going to write that down. Yeah. Good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'll search that on PubMed after. So what kind of interventions did you find with the polyphenols when you were first looking then? What you looked at and you thought, oh my, that's a really interesting intervention. I want to try and replicate that. Yeah, so, yeah, so for my uh, undergraduate, um, I was uh, lucky enough to be with um, Mayor uh, Ranchodas at uh, Sheffield Hallam. Um, and we looked at uh, New Zealand blackcurrant extract um, on uh, recovery from muscle damage in triathletes. Um, the study didn't have enough power to get anywhere close to publication or anything, but reading around that area sparked, you know, kind of these, you know, kind of these terms like you're saying, uh, enos, like um, uh, nitric oxide pathways, all of these, all of these kind of mechanisms. Uh, that uh, that are shared between so many of the you know berries and fruits and just general extracts that you get whether it's green tea or you know there's always something that's um, cellular in there and I guess I guess that comes out in your in like your kind of research that was kind of interesting yeah. so uh, black currant was the one that popped out to me as a as a new one and uh, I presented at the Basie's 2018 conference um, with Matthew Cook there. I think Matthew is 
uh, I want to say Chichester University All right. of Chichester. Um, and Ma- Matthew Cook is brilliant. Cook and, Cook and Willems, Mark, Mark Willems are the two big names. Yeah, okay, they've got, you know, they're, they're pretty much the ones who, who are pub- publishing in it. Um, the big names. And that was the first one that jumped out to me. But uh, of course, you know, like you were saying, you have the, you've, you have beetroot with the nitrates, you have um, tart cherry juice with uh, not only the um, anthocyanins and, the, you know, antioxidant activity, you have melatonin uh, in that as well. So looking at cherry and sleep. Um, oh wow that's really cool you know you know you could really go down a rabbit hole with them all which one do you pick from from uh, you know like a whole armory um mm. pomegranate pomegranate is another one that's yeah. done heaps and heaps uh i kind of just realized like you could pretty much eat any fruit or just have any of these kind of supplements and get some sort of benefit yeah um because we know that you know, if it doesn't, if it doesn't maybe improve exercise performance per se, it's still a very nutritious um, ingredient or uh, food to have. So, you know, maybe we're just looking for the wrong thing and um, someone is kind of looking at the effects of eating a fruit on performance. Actually, maybe we should be looking for things like uh, blood oxygenation or, you know, um, responses in the brain or memory and cognition you know there are like so many other things um and you know you could look at it from the point from the point of view that someone who eats a lot of fruit is just getting a lot of carbs <laughs> so you know there, there are so many things that you just can't you just can't kind of um control for but it certainly sparks that interest in just giving me that kind of critical eye to say Okay, yeah, this is the case, but like, there's A, B, C, D, E, F reasons that could that could also impact that. So it's like, oh, yeah, okay, just you know, look at it, look at it from a neutral point of view. Don't rush into it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. No, you highlighted some really good points, there, and it's interesting you say that, just because when you look at these different berries and oh, health foods, if you want to call them, as you said, there's so many different. I guess attributes or components of the berries that do we actually really know what is causing that effect, isn't it? Is it the antioxidants? As you said, with the beet beetroot juice has got nitrates in it. That was my undergrad, funny enough. I don't yeah. I like the beetroot juice supplementation recovery and yeah, I was like, oh, gosh, looking in the literature, seeing all these good results, I was thinking, well, for like high intensity stuff or short intervals you're thinking oh why isn't everyone drinking beetroot juice and you taste and you're like oh my god (laughs) 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 that's why no one's taking it ah right okay oh that's why everyone's gone to blackcurrant berries and stuff (laughs) it tastes better yeah um yeah no they're definitely very interesting to study and research but as you said because there's so many components to consider like you're saying you don't know which one is causing the effect so it's hard. and that's where research like yours comes in you know that's why that's why yeah. you know physiology and nutrition just goes hand in hand like if you don't know one then you don't know the other yeah um you need to you need to understand the actual mechanisms behind it um and go oh, okay you know this is 
you know, uh, because you know, you give you give like an intervention to anybody, you're essentially you're essentially manipulating their physiology. You are literally manipulating somebody's body in a way. Yeah. So you know, um, you got to have a certain you have a certain level of rigor to be able to say with confidence that this is the reason for it. And uh, what was the like specific uh, of like your study? Again, it's very with the, with the beetroot juice. Yes, yeah. I was just looking at uh, recovery, different recovery periods. I think it was. My gosh, it's so long ago now. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I looked at oh, muscle damage yeah. in active females, and then just seen um, beetroot juice versus placebo. Can you see an effect in recovery? And it was looking at diff. I counted for the menstrual cycle. I can't remember which part. I think it was the the luteal phase of the cycle. Uh, yeah. Because females, obviously, with the menstrual cycle, the estrogen kind of fluctuates. Yeah. And, and there's arguments in the research literature where if estrogen is high, it's, it can be an antioxidant as well. It's got similar mm-hmm. components to vitamin C and E. So yeah. you can you can think of it as an antioxidant, so it should help with muscle damage. But then I think what I was interested in, if I can remember rightly, is when estrogen is low and you've got this low kind of antioxidant, is something mm-hmm. like beetroot juice going to be a good supplement to use um, yeah. as a recovery aid? And yeah, okay. I probably could have published uh, how, that. And, uh, how, and, uh, how did you get from that to the uh, molecular biology? Yeah, me. Hang on. This this podcast is about you. <laughs> <laughs> Just remember. No, that. that's so good. Keep it conversational. That's what they yeah. all said. Yeah, no, that's fine. When I first went to University of Gloucestershire to sports strength and conditioning, I was I was interested in the weights room, getting people strong, getting them fit. Um, and then I think it was second year, got interested a lot in nutrition. Yeah. And then. Yeah, between second and third year, I was really interested in the mechanisms. I was really in, excited in the beetroot juice, for example, causes the effect it does. And then when yeah. I explored the mechanisms, that's why I was like, wow, this is really cool. And when I was finishing undergrad, it was a bit of a, it was a tough 50-50. I was thinking I was either going to go to John Moore's, Liverpool yeah. John Moore's, or Loughborough University for my master's. It was really close. The only reason why... The only reason why I didn't go to John Moore's was just because it was further away from home. Uh, yeah. It yeah. was quite up north. But, yeah, I didn't... Would I have changed? I'm not going to say that, I think. Yeah. I went to Loughborough, had a good time. Uh, there was some fascinating research going on there. And what I loved about Loughborough, and both John Moore's do it as well, is there's so much research being involved in the human work, but exploring the me- mechanisms as well. There's that yeah. real good connection yeah um, i can just think of the name straight away and just like pinging out of my head yeah. right now i'm like oh yeah yeah definitely yeah 100 yeah there's uh, so many good researchers that i really learned a lot when i was at loughborough so i'm grateful for that uh, hopefully i do actually get to spend some time with john moore's in the future that would be great but yeah it was just great just to see these different lifestyle interventions being tested for yeah and yeah, be, the mechanisms were being explained. You, you could um, take a muscle and then you could, I don't know, maybe run some Western blots on it uh, in, yeah. a, in a cell model st- study then. So you're taking the muscle from the human or even uh, 
venipuncture, you take in, or you could fit a catheter, you take in the blood, you can centrifuge yeah. it down, and then you can do stuff with the plasma, then you can, you know, yeah. measure the cytokine level, or, yeah. yeah, there's so much you can do. And when I went to Loughborough, I was like, right, this is where I really want to be in terms of, I like the balance between human work, but also I, I like understanding the molecular mechanisms in a cell model yeah. and then yeah. as, I, as i told you uh, uh off recording that yeah my phd now is all in vitro which is great yeah i'm really enjoying it but um yeah nice. yeah but come back to you anyway nutrition interventions have you looked at outside of the polyphenols then <laughs> you just kind of realize just there are so many um there are so many um and I think straight away, if you talk to anyone who has a who has a any vague interest in kind of nutrition, we'll all we'll all go carbohydrate for any kind of performance, <laughs> really, um, in kind of some aspect, um, or um, you know, you look at beta alanine or um, yeah, just there are just so many um, that yeah. you know you really could just like go just just like go down a rabbit hole with them. Yeah, um, and I guess that's why I just yeah I just wanted to keep it broad. Is uh, there are so many, but like, what's the reason for looking at it? And for and for like any kind of intervention, um, a kind of uh, a null finding is just as important as you know one that has like a significant effect. Because, you know, if you look at it from a supplement point of view, if you have a supplement and find that there's uh, no effect and the kind of literature is bulking up that way, then um, it, would be, it would be plausible to uh, suggest people maybe don't waste their money on mm-hmm. buying this supplement. Whereas if you look at something that seems to consistently have an effect, it might be worth considering. Um, and this is where, yeah, just, yeah, just kind of, had to look, had to look far and wide, and you know you can look at the uh, ACSM recommendations or mm-hmm. the uh, ISSN um, for what like might be the big hitters, and you know them straight away. But mm-hmm. you know what's the actual rationale for like looking into this, and what's the gap? I think is what I'm trying to focus on. Is I'm not just trying to pick like a, uh, a like kind of intervention and then plug it into a hole you know and what's the uh, what's the saying i'm not trying to put a square peg in a round hole i don't want to you know stick to one thing and say i'm going to make it work i want it to be um a little bit of kind of um synergy in there i guess you know it makes sense to research it so uh, i am kind of staying broad at the moment and um there will come a point where i say with with conviction uh, looking at X because of Y, yeah, and 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 just kind of take it from there. But yeah, one of the things I certainly learned is just be, is just be open, mm-hmm. is open to, open to changing your mind, open to hearing a different viewpoint because you never know. You might kind of expect to study one thing and then three months later you find out that there are five, five new studies out. Mm-hmm. And the systematic review of meta-analysis that trumps on it 
Um, so you certainly have to be um, transparent and open. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you've got to with human studies because my personal opinion is there's so much more variables and there's so many things to consider. And I remember in undergrad, a lot of people used to get annoyed with the concept of it depends. But unfortunately, that is so true. I love the saying, it depends, because it's so important. There's so many things to consider. I can even remember when I was looking on the beat reduce for dissertation. I'm trying to think of the studies now. My gosh, it's been so long. Um, and even, yeah, like with the beat reduce, I remember Tom Clifford, he published a study where they found no effect on marathon runners with the beetroot juice. Uh, but then he done one with drop jumps, which induces a lot of muscle damage uh, quite differently. And yeah. yeah, it did have an effect. So it just depends. It's the same yeah. nutritional aid, but it's a different exercise intervention. And it's just crazy how much difference it is because that's how it works, isn't it? It all depends on the situation whether that nutritional aid is right for that. And as you said with you, when you're keeping it broad, I guess you get to see all these different nutritional aids and what effect they're having in each kind of exercise experiment, isn't it? Because that, that's what you want to look at. Because let's be honest, look at, looking at a marathon in comparison with, let's say, a short 100-meter sprint, or sorry, that's, that's not a great comparison at all. Marathon in comparison with three... 100 meter sprints or whatever to yeah. muscle, you just can't compare it can you the, the no. totally different physiological things the, the adaptations are different um so yeah no it's really interesting yeah for sure and when it you know when it comes to interpretation um it would be it would be like pretty easy to say um this intervention uh, improves exercise performance but, well, it's exercise performance. You look deep. You look uh, deeper into the study, and one of them's on a marathon, and it has no effect. And then there are two others that are on drop jumps and 100 meter sprint, and it has an effect. And that, and you know, that uh, like overarching interpretation is, ah, oh, it must improve performance. Yeah. You can't, you can't kind of draw that kind of inference from it. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely it's definitely an interesting one. Yeah, so the performance kind of trials now. Which ones have really grasped you and thought, oh, that's a real, really interesting intervention they've used there? Which ones have... Yeah, oh, this is... <laughs> I'm asking like a, a specific question for... I know it's a bit broad, but... Yeah, no, it's, um, it's more that I kind of, you know, you kind of look at the research and you realise just, just how like different like protocols are. And... I can think of some, for example, that might have used might have used like a four kilometer cycling time trial. Okay. Um, others others uh, have used like a resistance based, maybe like a drop jump or or just like a resistance training session. And I'm like, oh, okay, that'd be interesting. Mm -hmm. um, but then you know you see longer ones and you think, oh, you know, maybe it's a maybe it's like a longer one that's a little bit more aerobic and so i'm certainly trying to trying to have the same kind of thing as um just that just that kind of um open that uh, open-mindedness to say um if i'm uh, if i'm like going to pick a protocol um 
I suppose I suppose that comes hand in hand is when I kind of when I kind of come around to what's the uh, what's the, like nutritional intervention going to be is I need to look at them both because um, if for example you pick if you pick like carbohydrate and then do one six second sprint or something it's, you know it's it doesn't kind of add up so I want to I want to make it yeah. um, add up but um, yeah, it'll be interesting when it comes to it, um, yeah. for sure. And I think that that also comes from like a mechanistic point of view. Is and is I would like to understand the actual mechanism behind why I'm why I'm choosing a protocol and the matching intervention. So yeah, yeah that that yeah. I, I kind of realise it doesn't really answer your question because I am just trying to be uh, open with it all. Yeah, no, that's um, fair enough. But yeah, it's um, as long as I, you know. Um, do have that scientist cap on and it's something where um i have endeavored to be as rigorous as possible and just mm-hmm. um control what i can um then you know it kind of it kind of helps me develop that um critical thinking uh, that i guess you need to be able to make that interpretation at the end you know yeah um for, uh, for sure nice i'm um- with QUT then in Australia, how different will it will it be when you actually come to you know trying out the interventions? Have you got good links? Is there any you know rugby leagues massive in Australia? Uh, you got Aussie rules, so are you going to make it specific yeah. to a sport or is it is QUT a sport in university? I don't know. What yeah, it's uh, very much so. Um, my PhD is not is not kind of um, in partnership with a club or um, anything like that, but uh, that doesn't mean that uh, you know um, we don't have access to a sporting population because um, QUT sport um, is a is a pretty big, a pretty big thing here. Um, certainly, like the university sports, um, and even just you know, uh, eventually, uh, it would be great. It would be great to just see if. Um, and I'm talking years ahead here when, you know, I certainly like to stay in academia. Um, it'd be great to have some, to have some kind of buy-in with more, with, with more kind of esteemed athletes who are maybe, who are maybe at a higher level. And uh, Australia certainly seems to be great in terms of getting um, elite athletes to kind of um, become involved with research. You look at, Look at some of the uh, some of the work in race walking, um, the, you know the, the low carb, high fat um, diets, the, the supernova um, and keto diets and high carb, and they got they got elite athletes in a really really controlled environment, but we're still at a training camp, um, and you get that you you know you kind of see that popping up everywhere, um, and even in some studies in England now, I've noticed they've had, you know. Um, professional football teams or professional rugby teams who are willing who are willing to have their muscle glycogen taken uh, at half time (laughs) you know you would you you know that's every researcher's dream um so uh although i'm not i'm not i'm not kind of dead set i don't have like a population yet so it'd certainly be going down the route of um just having to recruit just having to recruit people for it Mm -hmm. um 
it will certainly, I would certainly like it to be a sample that's, you know, representative of, um, you know, like an exercising population, if you like. Yeah. But yeah, it's actually quite nice to go back to, um, gra I guess, grassroots research and having to work from the ground up and actually, um, you know, yeah. uh, recruit, recruit people for it. Yeah, yeah. I forgot what all that's about. Just growing my cells. <laughs> I forgot what it's like recruit then. Yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, I imagine it's going to be tough. I imagine it's going to be tough. But um, I think such, you... is, such is life. Exactly. But this is what we're doing a PhD for, isn't it? It's all about the grind, yeah. isn't it? Do you reckon you you want to stay in Australia? Or is that too? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the big question. The big question. Yeah. Yes. Uh yeah. Um I would love to. Um I think I think you know if people haven't got the the the, the kind of idea already mm -hmm. I'm open because uh I realize it's not up to me. Mm -hmm. Um and it would be it would it would probably just be a little bit um naive to put all my eggs in one basket. 100%. But um but the way that the way that I just seem to have fit in here um, and just kind of feel very welcome but also but also like people are genuinely interested in your research and genuinely want to want to help um, although uh, although by no means they don't put um, any kind of onus on me um, I kind of feel like I've had I've had such a good welcome that um, I would love to return the favour. Yeah. Um, someday, and I think um, staying in staying in Australian sport is 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 something that I'd that I'd certainly like to like to do. Yeah. yeah. No, that's fantastic. No, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. I really do appreciate it for talking to me on my podcast. Just before we do call it a day, do you want to just give a few tips on what you'd recommend for anyone wanting to study a PhD? And for anyone who wants to study one abroad, yeah. Um, first of all, um, don't don't go for too many PhDs. Don't um, don't kind of you know go like um, crazy with it. So very quickly, um, Q QUT was the eighth PhD that I applied for in a year. Hindsight is a wonderful thing, and I think in all honesty, if if I if I look back. I was probably really interested in maybe three, but it was just because I knew that I really wanted to do a PhD that I would kind of, that I thought I'd just make myself fit in it. Um, now, go for one that you're interested in, whether, it, whether you have to wait two or three years for it to come out, um, or whether you go for an open scholarship, certainly being interested, you know, you're going to be committed to it for three years, so make sure you're interested in it. Um, when you when you are looking if you want to st just look into studying abroad you know it's kind of what you see on youtube and i genuinely never thought it would be me um it is literally just what you what you watch people do on youtube and you're like oh they're living the life mm -hmm. um you, you never see yourself in that position so look into it because you know you might just get your tuition fees paid for and a scholarship and if you can work to save up some money and fly over and you know, sort of kind of just make yourself a little bit secure, then it's amazing. So just look, just look into it. It doesn't have to be Australia. 
could be Europe, it could be America, but it is doable. Um, I'm not sure how much time we've got, so I'm trying to fly through. <laughs> when you start the PhD, I think three, three main things I'm trying to work on be, is be open. Being open is not being vulnerable. Um, we, are, uh, we all have our strengths and our areas to improve, and that's a good Write everything down. <laughs> right. If you ever have a meeting, if you have a meeting with a supervisor, don't go. Yeah, I'll do that. And just <laughs> write everything down. Um, and I find giving myself deadlines along the way helps mm -hmm. because otherwise it would be three years with just finishing the three years. Um, so, so give yourself an objective, an objective deadline. And finally, one I'm really trying to work on. Um, remove the word just, just from your vocabulary. And okay. I read a lot of books around um, philosophy and behavior change and just, I read outside of my area. And one thing, and one thing that I'm mindful of is that I'll often say, oh no, I'm just, I'm just studying this or it's just this award or I've like just done this this week. It's not just, it's actually an achievement. Don't, don't play it down and it's not being uh, egotistical um, because imagine if you spent three years just dumbing yourself down to the point where you're saying I'm just doing this just doing this just, just doing this um, it would be a pretty tough three years to get through if you, if you constantly think that you're doing just this so yeah one big thing for me is just remove rem uh, remove the word just from your vocabulary and just give yourself a little bit of um, praise every now and then because it's, yeah. uh, it's a pretty big thing. No. Well, Liam, thank you so much for that. And um, yeah, even I'll take that, them, them tips with me as well. But um, yeah, 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 thanks, man. Thanks for having me on because, you know, we were kind of joking off, uh, <laughs> off kind of uh, recording that every PhD student wants to make a podcast and, you know, it's like our equivalent of, um, you know, making a business together when you when you're like 12 years old and you're like, oh, I'll do it. Um, everyone's like, oh, I'm gonna gonna start a podcast. But for you to have done it, um, just to branch out to PhDs as well, is you kind of realise. Uh, I mean, at least I hope is that we would all love to chat about it and we all really appreciate it. Um, so you know, just that opportunity to bounce off ideas with someone in a totally different field, but you have that common. Yep. understanding is i feel like that's a that's the kind of demographic that is that is missing in podcasts it's great it's great to listen to the experts um or you know well certainly the more established scientists yeah yeah no you agree um but certainly you know um phd students like yourself and um maria who i spoke to and some of the others that you've had on um are you guys are the up you know the up and coming you know, future of sports science if you like um so yeah uh, thanks again i really do appreciate yeah. it and hope i didn't ramble too much no not at all liam thank you mate cheers thank you all for listening and see you all next time